This is Deep Dive. I'm Li Yunqi. Earlier this week, the top spot on China's television viewership was claimed by the final episode of an anti-corruption documentary. The four-part documentary focuses on China's anti-corruption campaign, with its fourth episode highlighting the corruption case that has implicated many key figures in the football industry, including star athletes, club managers, and top officials in the Chinese Football Association and the General Administration of Sports. One prominent figure in the investigation is Li Tie, the former head coach of the Chinese men's national football team. The documentary storyline revolves around his involvement in the corruption case. Why is the football coach at the center of the corruption case? What impact will the investigation have on China's football industry? And how will the industry address its corruption issues? To delve into the implications of this investigation, I spoke with my colleague Ding Hun. This episode is brought to you on Sunday, January the 14th. Hi, Ding Han. Can you first explain to our listeners, especially those that are not very familiar with the history of Chinese men's football? So, who is Li Tie? Uh, for those who followed Chinese football in the early 2000s, he was one of the highest. Regarded players among his generation, when he was a teenager, he was sent to Brazil for a, a five-year youth training program, and he became the captain of that program's、uh, football team. That was a great honor at the time. Even Sun Jihai, who is arguably the highest achieving Chinese、uh, football player in overseas leagues so far. Uh, failed to get enrolled into that program.、Mm. Uh, later,、uh, Li Tie played for a Chinese club, and then he went to the English Premier League. His golden period in England was the 2002 to 2003 season, had to clear. when he enjoyed some regular appearances as an. Everton midfielder or defender.、Uh, in China's national team, his golden period was also roughly between 2000 and 2003. One thing pretty lucky for him is that he appeared in China's all three games in the 2002 FIFA World Cup, which was, of course, the only time so far when. You know, China's male national team was qualified in the final.、Mm. Um, basically, after 2003, he had been suffering from、uh, lingering injuries, which very much affected his career as a football player. But after his retirement as a player, he had worked as an assistant to、uh, Marcelo Lippi, for example, when Lippi was the the head coach of the Guangzhou Evergrande and later、uh, the head coach of the Chinese national team. He has also、uh, served as the head coach of two club teams, and then he became the head coach of the Chinese national team back in January 2020. 
Now, of course, we know that very appointment was very problematic. Right. So first Brazil, and then regular appearances in the English Premier League. So it's quite obvious that Li Tie had a, a rather successful career as a football player, and that makes people and also me wonder that how did he end up being at the center of this corruption case? Yeah. Oh, by the way, first of all, as a player, he was not the type of very skillful or talented、mm. type of player. Uh, so initially, at the very beginning, in the eyes of many、uh, football fans at the time, he didn't appear to have a very promising career. However, he was very hardworking and very, very energetic. Those were his main strength. Basically, in a game, you could、uh, see him keep running around on the soccer pitch. Entirely from the beginning of the game to、okay. the end of the match, we can call him as a marathoner among the soccer、mm. players. Okay,、uh, that was the main reason for his rise to fame later on. But in 1997, in a very key World Cup qualifier game between China and Qatar, held in the Chinese city of Dalian, he made a few bad mistakes, leading to. Fans yelling in that stadium, "Down was Li Tie, replace Li Tie," a slogan like that. So the head coach of the Chinese national team at the time didn't resist that very pressure from the fans, and Li Tie was indeed replaced only some 36 minutes into that very game.、Uh, we need to keep in mind that at the time he was only. Twenty years old, and that was a highly, highly watched game in China. So you can imagine the kind of damage or destruction、right. that very experience brought to him mentally, which I guess, from a psychological perspective, might help explain some of his behaviors later on in his career or in his life. For example, he once said he so much. Wanted to become the the head coach of China's national team. Why? My personal take is that he so much wanted to enjoy or to gain the power associated with that very position, as a sort of compensation for that very feeling of getting hurt from the、right. fans when he was a young boy. So this is my explanation from the angle of Li Tie's individuality. But I guess in a bigger picture sense. If you are an insider in an industry really riddled with corruption, then it's very, very difficult for an, an insider to keep yourself away from all those, you know, problems.、Um, what Liti has、uh, has said himself is that once you achieve success in the wrong way, you then become more and more desperate for more success. And this way, then becomes a habit for you, and later on, you even develop some kind of reliance on this kind of wrong way. So it's very hard to shake off the bad habits, and the investigation also focused on the corruption of these two football clubs in Hebei and Wuhan. And what did these two clubs and Li Tie get out of the bribing and match fixing? Uh, so first of all, with regard to this club in Hebei. Uh, we are talking about Li Tie's debut season as the head coach.、Uh, previously, he only served as the assistant coach to 
um, some of the world famous coach like Lippi.、Um, he had a so-called miraculous eight victories out of the final nine games in that very season in his debut season,、uh, winning the team promotion to the Chinese Super League in 2015. We Um, in the final match of that very season alone,、um, the club spent some 14 million yuan bribing opponents, from the coach down to the players. And、uh, on the part of Li Tian, he through his assistant coach, a guy called Zhen Bing,、uh, he asked an opponent player to share a six million yuan bribe with his key teammates in order to fix. That very match, but the irony here is that Elite's team actually didn't need that bribery to win that game because their opponent was a much weaker team, and actually the player who received that very money, a guy named Li Fei, actually kept all those you know money for himself because. He didn't even bother asking any teammate because、uh, Lietje's team had many advantages over their opponents at the time and would have won that game anyway. Okay. Then, with regard to the Wuhan club, it was promoted to the China Super League in a similar manner when Lietje was serving as、uh, that club's head coach back in the year 2018. So Lietje actually had the aspiration of becoming the head coach of Chinese national men's football team in the early stages of his career, and then he did serve briefly as that head coach. So how he managed to assume this position, and was he clean during the term at the national team? So what we do know at this point is that he persuaded the Wuhan club. Uh, to fix games in order to get his track record as a head coach look better, that's for sure. So the end result was that that very club in Wuhan、um, paid two million yuan to Chen Xuyuan, who was the China Football Association chairperson at the time, in order to help Li Tie get that very job of the head coach of the national team. And in the meantime. Uh, Lietje personally has also taken out one million yuan of cash out of his own pocket in order to bribe the then Secretary General of the China Football Association. So many people might question why did that club in Wuhan do those things for Lietje? I think it's because if Lietje was to become the national team head coach. In return, there will be huge, huge potential gains for the club. Basically, after Li Tie got confirmation about his promotion to that very position, he immediately flew to、uh, Wuhan the next day to sign a so-called contract worth 60 million yuan with the Wuhan club. He then selected four players from the club and got them enrolled into the national team. But in reality, according to the president of that particular club, none of those players was good enough, was qualified enough to be entered into the national team. So, if you are a veteran, expert-oriented. 
soccer fan. Then Litia's national team name list, including how he arranged, you know, players during the uh, 2022 World Cup qualifiers, all looked very suspicious and very, very questionable. That was very obvious at the time. Looking back now, we probably have the answer. I was red-handed. What does that mean? I know our players' ability. And as you pointed out earlier, that、um, this is not entirely the problem of Li Tie, and he was kind of also playing by the rule inside the football industry. And this corruption problem in the football industry is so bad that it's referred to by some of the investigators as systematic and collusive. So, how did the corruption problem become so severe in the football industry? Yeah. So earlier, I have already、uh, talked about the problems on the part of Chen Xuyuan,、uh, and apart from the bribery related to the Li Tie case,、uh, Chen Xuyuan has also received many other bribes from many other, you know, commercial clubs,、uh, soccer clubs. A detail that has been revealed、uh, so far is that the night before he became the、uh, football association boss back in 2019, he received 300,000 yuan from two club officials as a form of congratulations. That very practice at the time was said to be a norm, a the, the、mm. old rules of the game. Also, I have talked about the then Secretary General of the Football Association, a guy named Liu Yi.、Uh, he was previously actually a sports agent with a focus on the soccer industry. So he has had a very wide social network within China's、um, football industry. Then somehow later on, he ended up becoming an official within this、uh, football association. So. Uh, with that in mind, I think any corruption case involving this particular guy is not really that surprising. And also, we have Du Zhaocai, the former deputy sports minister. He was also the party secretary of the football association, and his wrongdoing includes covering up match fixing in a 2022 investigation after receiving tens of millions of yuan from. In terms of bribery, so my understanding of the football industry corruption is that、um, in China, this industry is really on a sort of middle ground. If the government is in the entire control of everything, then political willingness, political determination, could make it very easy、uh, to prevent corruption or to prevent wrongdoing. And if we're talking about A scenario in which the market forces play the dominant role, like we see in those、uh, very well-established and mature football markets over there in European countries, it is also possible to limit corruption. But in China's case, I feel like the government, on one hand, wants to let the market forces play a role, but、mm. in the meantime. The government is still retaining a lot of power to intervene when necessary.、Uh, this is really providing a breeding ground for corrupt behaviors. Right, and this is not the first time that China's football industry is troubled with corruption scandals. 
the investigation in 2009 was probably the last major case which led to the conviction of 57 people, including officials of the Chinese Football Association, star players, and referees. And is there any correlation or any difference between these two investigation cases? So fundamentally, the investigation you talk about that that、uh, happened a decade ago, and this current investigation or this current campaign, are fundamentally really dealing dealing with the same issue. Of course, under President Xi Jinping's leadership, China has、uh, managed to carry out a more sustainable campaign against corruption. That's for sure. That's very positive, but. I think, with regard to China's football industry, one problem it has faced is that this so-called golden bubble from roughly 2010 to 2019, when billions of dollars of investment、right. went into this these professional leagues, right?、Uh, most of the money has actually been used to hire those world-class foreign players and world-class coaches, rather than You know, put into the training, targeting the next generation homegrown players. So that's why, despite all those money poured into the this very industry, China's national team, in terms of their performance、uh, on international stage, didn't really see any improvement.、Uh, that's undeniable. On the other hand, that kind of、uh, macro environment in this industry. Only made bribery, you know, more attractive to、uh, football industry association officials because、um, at a time when there was more cash being circulated in this industry, inevitably there was more money involved in each of those bribe cases. So I think looking back, the golden bubble was really, really very bad, very disruptive because. It ended up creating a kind of illusion that, on the surface, this industry was doing okay, was actually going well in in prosperity, some sort. But in reality, it made the whole industry more vulnerable or more susceptible to corruption. And after that scandal, and apart from this golden bubble that people may feel like this is developing in a healthy way. So, following that scandal, the previous one in two thousand nine, was there any restructuring or reforms of the football system to prevent corruption? Yeah, I think,、uh, frankly speaking, we have to say there were indeed some technical adjustments. For example, previously, you know, in addition to this China Football Association, there was another. Agency affiliated with the、uh, sports bureau that also had the power to regulate the football industry. In actuality,、uh, those were the same batch of people. The personnel are the same. The same people leading both that very agency and the football industry association. So, when we talk about say, when it comes to regulatory matters, at the time there was a lot of confusion. That very agency was abolished back in 2016 because、uh, authorities was pretty aware of the problem associated with it. That's for sure. So I think at the time there was a clear message that、uh, the football association, which is supposed to be a social organization or a social entity, 
will be the only organization here in China that is in charge of regulation or regulatory matters. But still, I think many problems remain. For example, the China Super League is a corporation, but in terms of shareholding, it is controlled by the Football Association. In other words,、uh, the Football Association has too many power at its hand.、Uh, it is not only the regulator, but it is also involved in some of the you know day-to-day operational issues、uh, within the. Soccer games or professional leagues—it's just like in a particular soccer match where a person can act as both a referee and a player. So if you have that kind of situation, the rest of the players would only tend to try to bribe this very person in order to win his favor. In your opinion, is there a way to address? The root cause of what the Chinese authorities call a systematic and collusive corruption in the football industry. Yeah, so I think、um, China, on the whole, is、uh, still yet to figure out what's really the best、uh, relations between regulators and market forces in this very fo- football industry. I'm not saying that China ought to say in a blind manner. Uh, try to copy the models from, say, European countries. Maybe that's not feasible as well. But really, when we talk about football, it seems if you want to become a global powerhouse, you really need to embrace market forces.、Uh, but really, I think on the other hand, during this process of embracing the market, how do you prevent corruption? I think. Um, regulators、uh, really should focus more on those, you know, macro policy issues, general policy issues, rather than getting too much involved into those day-to-day、hmm. running of、uh, games and sports, especially when commercial elements are involved.、Uh, that is where money comes in, and the temptation is simply too great for those. Um, you know,、right. uh, association officials, right? So, I think、uh, over the long term, while making sure that anti-corruption momentum should be sustained, that's for sure. I think we also need to have some sort of patience because really this problem is too entrenched, and it really requires a lot of sustained、uh, policy support to get it. Uh, resolved. We can't single out the football industry and say, "Okay, the problem is all yours."、Uh, I think um, um, in a bigger picture, this is a society issue as well. Because more broadly, I think、um, there needs to be a a change of mindset on the part of basically everybody.、Um, you know, the cultivation or nurturing of this very idea. That if you want to get get something down, if you want to achieve some degree of success, you don't have to rely on the wrong way. And before we let you go, Dinghan, the Chinese men's football team has kicked off their campaign at Asia Cup this Saturday. You mentioned patience, right? It's absolutely for sure that it's too early to say that this corruption investigation will have any immediate influence on the Chinese. Men's national football team, but just looking ahead, will this investigation bring any changes to their performance on the international stage? It's very difficult to try to explain everything. You know, 
if we're only talking about corruption, then in many of those、uh, Latin American soccer powerhouses like Brazil,、right. there was also a lot of corruption. But how come their national team keep have kept a very strong performance on the international stage? But really, I think patience is the、uh, first and the foremost thing that is needed because without patience, without this kind of a long-term thinking, that if you want to solve a problem, you need to have long-term planning. You need to put more emphasis and investment into this very basic. Grass grassroots level of infrastructure building,、right. training of personnel,、uh, systemic training for the next generation of players.、Uh, basically, I think、uh, today's policymakers they are pretty aware of what is the right direction, but can they bid farewell to this kind of、uh, immediate thinking that okay, on my tenure, on my term, I need to achieve some. Hardworn results. I think this kind of mentality should be abandoned. Rather,、uh, embracing of more long-term thinking. Thank you very much, Dinghan. My pleasure. The investigation into corruption in China's football industry has sparked widespread discussion. Many government institutions, as well as the Chinese men's national football team, have encouraged their staff to watch the documentary to learn from past mistakes. While revelations of under-the-table dealings have shocked many, it is crucial to establish transparent and supervision systems to prevent such corruption from recurring. On Monday, Chinese President Xi Jinping reiterated the need for targeted and persistent efforts in the fight against corruption. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you enjoyed what you just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to let us know what you want to learn about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Li Yunqi, and my colleagues Zhang Zhang and Qi Zhi. Special thanks to CGTN radio reporter Ding Han. I'll see you in the next one.